Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. And welcome, Seekers, to episode number 105 of God Beyond the Bible, the podcast made by Seekers and for Seekers. We are so thankful you have taken the opportunity to give us a listen. And of course, we're always thankful for all of our regular listeners all over the world. And we don't know who most of you are. And and that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) And two of our users um, that I was able to get their username are user 344 and Chris. We are glad to have you guys here. Thank Thank you for listening. Welcome aboard. How about the quote? Trayson, have you got that? I do. The quote this week is from, did you guys ever read the Anne of Green Gables books Mm -hmm. growing up? Okay, this is from Anne of Green Gables. Can't say as I have, but. (laughs) The fifth book. Um, This was Captain Jim speaking. Did that have anything to do with horses? There were some horses in the book. Oh, just not thinking Mary, the Gables, the Green really Gables. Really okay. <laughs> well, you know how much I know about it. So. <laughs> it always amazes me to look at the little brown wrinkled seeds and think that they have rainbows in them. When I ponder those seeds, I don't find it hard to believe that we've got souls that will live on in other worlds. You can't believe that there's life in those little things, tiny and dry like a grain of dust, let alone colors and scents. If you hadn't seen the miracle yourself, could you have believed it? And that's Captain Jim from Anna yeah. Green Gables. Well, that, that's pretty cool. Well, this month's episodes are on the topic of near-death experiences, which we uh, choose to classify as real-death experiences. If you think about it rationally, if you want to know about a subject, you can read a book, or you can listen to a lecture on the theories of the subject, or you can seek out someone who has actually had the experience. And death is no exception. If we want to know what happens when we die, we need only to listen to someone who has died. Which occasionally can oh, be... Oh, of course, they need to come back. I was going to say, which can occasionally complicate <laughs> yeah, things, yeah. you know. So the real question before us is not one of heaven or hell, but one of, is there consciousness or awareness outside the physical body? For years, medicine and science have labored under the false assumption that consciousness or awareness is merely a byproduct of physical brain function. But in this modern era, as more research is dedicated to this age-old question, it is becoming a consensus in these communities that consciousness and awareness is something separate from the function of the brain. Most of the intellectual community is hesitant to title this consciousness as a soul or spirit, but the fact that they are having this discussion is a huge step in a new direction. It sure is, yes. And while every real death experience is unique and different, there are some interesting commonalities between them. 
So we want to use this episode to talk about the most obvious common experiences among the folks who are willing to give their testimonies. And to do this, we're going to begin with the most common things that occur upon death. But before we do, let us state that the people who talk about this experience range from Protestants to Catholics, Muslims to Hindu, Gnostics to atheists, and every other classification or category that you can think of. It's not unique to those who are religious or who align themselves with any certain belief system. And I know that's kind of a hard pill to take, uh, but it's just because our religious beliefs cause us to think that there's a separate, there's somehow a whole mm-hmm. different experience mm-hmm. for those that believe to those that don't believe. And, or and, don't believe and like that, we do. And, and, and I must be honest, the science behind, behind this, the, the science behind this spirituality, if there is some science behind it, and I think thousands of people giving their testimonies evidence so mm-hmm. i'll just call it evidence the evidence behind this is is that uh, everyone has pretty much the same experience yes well first of all not all but an overwhelming majority of these folks observe their own body and observe their dead body from a vantage point uh, most usually at the foot of their deathbed or hovering around or above their body now this is most commonly a feeling that they are floating or hovering and are still conscious and aware of all the activities of those present when they die Different people seem to spend different amounts of time in the place where they exit the body or die. Many move through the hallways of the hospital and observe the activities of the staff and the other patients before they begin their journey to the light. And I have to ask this. Have any of you guys ever had an out-of-body experience? Oh, yeah. I have, yeah. Tabby's just We do. I don't, I mean, Well, we're going to talk about that later. You actually do that every time you dream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dreaming is an out-of-body experience. Well, I I just wanted to kind of set that one up a little bit. So there are many accounts of people who overheard conversations of family or medical staff who were in the room or somewhere somewhere else who later confirmed that what they saw and heard was 100% accurate and that there is no way the person who died could have physically witnessed the events they described. And when you say that, one of the first people that come to my mind is that Colton Burpo. Okay. The, the child that does the heaven is for real. They made a movie mm-hmm. about it. But he could see the doctors. Mm-hmm. He knew what his mom was doing. He knew what his dad was doing in opposite rooms. And you want to write it off and say, oh, it's just made up. But this, I mean, you know, he was I a still, little kid. I'm still kind of partial to the one, the lady that died. And she went out through the ceiling, the roof of the hospital. And there was an old tennis shoe laying up on the ledge of the roof of the hospital yeah and she told when she came back she said i i can tell you i i went through and there's a shoe did anybody ever get that shoe off the <laughs> roof of the building wow. and nobody finally she told a maintenance worker and the maintenance worker actually thought of it one day when he was up there doing something to the air conditioning or whatever's on the top i don't know sometimes mm-hmm. a helipad but whatever but anyway no one knows how it got there, but he discovered, yes, there was a shoe, just like she described a tennis shoe, just like she described on top of the hospital. There's no way she could know that. Wow. There's one that I go back to, and it's from a woman named Brenda. And she said, as I watched the doctors and nurses working on me, the doctor ripped off his watch and went to throw it into his pocket on his smock. She said, except it missed. And I watched it slide down his shirt and catch on a lever underneath the hospital bed. He was floored three days later when I woke up and was able to speak, and I asked him if he'd found his watch hanging there. And when he reached down, there it was. There it was. Yeah. Wow. Another one, a blind man, and the doctor dropped his pen mm-hmm. out of his pocket. And he was blind. I mean, in this mm-hmm. life, he was totally, but he could see in the afterlife, and he saw the pen 
behind the door. He saw it when the doctor dropped it, come rushing in. It's code blue or whatever. And yeah. the guy coded and he comes and he said, I saw it fall. And now he, that's a blind guy. Mm-hmm. And he comes back and said, asked the doctor, said, did you find your pen? And the doctor, he said, it's behind the door. And there was the pen. There was the pen behind the door. Is it my turn, guys? It kind of makes you wonder about the cleaning staff here. That yeah. this doesn't <laughs> stuff. No, but I don't know the time that lapsed in between all of this. So another thing that's almost 100% common among those who die and exit the physical body is the immediate absence of pain. In fact, they all say that the most unpleasant thing of the whole experience is plunging back into their physical body and the pain associated with being alive. Well, the girl I talked about, the Pam, and I can't remember her name that I talked about in the earlier episode. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, everyone says, and they say the weight. This is, mm-hmm. They said it's confining. I, I've been watching several, listening to several testimonies, and they said when you come back into this body, it feels like you're just pressed into this very small space, and you're just so confined. And said it's so heavy. Everything is just so heavy. Said when you're out of this body in that spirit, there's no gravity. Mm-hmm. But said you come into this body and you're so confined, all of a sudden, and it's just terrible. You it's feel a terrible experience. Down. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm seven. Mm-hmm. Not forgetting where we are, and that is, we just died, and we're consciously observing our physical body from a conscious and aware vantage point. Please allow us to introduce a concept that many people have held, uh, not least among this group, are those who have had death experience. The topic is that the reason that it is not scary for us to exit our body is that we do it all the time. In fact, every time we sleep, uh, Dolores Cannon, that's D-O-L-O-R-E-S, Cannon, uh, common spelling, author of Between Death and Life, has a wonderful perspective on how this works. And you're encouraged to do some research to familiarize yourself with her background and area of expertise. Dolores teaches that we exit the physical body each time we sleep, or at least when we reach the dream state of sleep. Her take is that there is a silver cord that as long as we are alive keeps our spirit attached to our physical body. Yet this cord allows us to move in other dimensions while the body is at rest. She and others state that our spirit consciousness, some refer to this as our divine or supernatural consciousness, does not just sit silently by our bedside (laughs) while we sleep waiting for us to wake. Quite the opposite, we are able to escape the confinements of our physical body and go anywhere and do anything we like, even encounter our loved ones who have gone on before. And some call this lucid dreaming. Yeah. And, and if you're a Stephen King fan, it's a balloon string. Okay. Well, okay. it's a tether. They all, mm-hmm. everyone that talks about it said we're tethered to this body. Our spirit is, because basically our spirit wouldn't come back. Right. Well, <laughs> just, and there's I mean, an if you just get, get out of this body, you're not yeah. going to come back. But that's why we can do anything we like. I, I can fly. In, I mean, I've flown in many of my dreams. I mean, mm-hmm. physically flown. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, under my own power in these dreams, you know. But uh, she talks about this silver cord, and I'm, Tracy, I'm not cutting you off. No, but, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to read something that Solomon, it's attributed to Solomon anyway, in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 12, starting at verse 6, it says, Yes, remember your creator, your creator, now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Wow. Wow. That's pretty dead Solomon, Solomon, yeah. Solomon was right on with that silver cord of life that attaches our consciousness to this body. And that's what I bring up the Stephen King thing. But if you've 
ever read any of the Dark Tower series, which I know you guys haven't, but maybe some of you listening out there can make me less strange. Um, one of the big things is we're referred to as short timers because our balloon strings don't last as long as they do elsewhere in the universe. Mm. But there are these two who come and their job is to trim the balloon string. And once it's been trimmed, then these people can move on to another level and another progression wow. in the tower. But anyway, so before we classify this as a lot of hooey, the Bible itself classifies death as falling asleep. Paul even said, don't be concerned for those who have fallen asleep. When Stephen was stoned, it said he fell asleep. We often misinterpret this statement to mean that they're in a state of suspended animation until sometime in the far distant future when they'll be awakened. But the reality of this statement is that they have permanently entered a realm of divine consciousness outside of the physical body. When Paul gave his famous death experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I think the first four verses, he said, I will now come to dreams and visions. He classified his near-death experience, or as we prefer to call it, his real death experience, as a dream or vision. Yet it was a real experience in every way. He saw and heard things that human language is insufficient to, to describe. Back to Dolores Cannon. She said that the silver cord that attaches the spirit to the body actually is used to reel our consciousness back into our physical body when we awake. She said that the reason it often takes us some time to orient ourselves when we first wake up is because we're reeled back into the body from somewhere else. She says that when we wake up suddenly and feel like we can't move or speak, that's because our consciousness has not fully returned to our physical body from its journeys. And I've had that to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I know how Sleep it is. Sleep paralysis, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and, she, and her take on it is, is that we just didn't hardly get reeled all yeah. the way in yeah. so quick, you know, as fast as we woke up. We got you tried to jerk up. the fish out of the water before you yeah. got <laughs> into the boat. So Dolores also says that as long as the silver cord is not cut or broken, we can return to this realm. However, once the cord is severed, we cannot return to this body. That's kind of what Solomon said, right? Mm-hmm. So as we ponder this teaching, might this explain why those who suffer from the fears and anxieties of this life tend to want to sleep all the time? I know when I have my worst depression and anxiety sure. issues, I just want to go it's sleep. It's an escape. Sleep mm-hmm. is an escape from this reality. Es- especially when things in this physical life are extremely stressful. It may be that sleep is more, much more than just rest for the body, which is the only reason we have to sleep. But... That maybe we sleep because we know that during that period of physical rest, we can actually escape from this realm. And that's a possibility. I mean, well, let's mark where we are in death experience. We've just died. This is the third time, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's happening a lot. (laughs) We've just just died and our awareness and consciousness has escaped our body, but is still present in observing the activities of this life. Now, next week. We'll take the next step in the real death experience. But until then, may God's unconditional grace, peace, and love be on in and radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word 
or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.